So we're looking at the Holy Spirit, taking a fresh look at our helper. Here's review number one. Holy Spirit was part of building the cosmos. And the point that we talked about in detail a little bit last week, we introduced like five different points and and I'll touch on them all tonight to remind you. But the first one, it was we were looking at that passage of Scripture right here. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. And that word, uh, rachap, rachap, however you say it, probably not like that, uh, fluttering, in motion over, brooding, and uh, some of the lexicons helped expand the meaning of the idea of brooding to f- literally fertilizing, <laughs> uh, causing life to grow, nurturing life. And so it was the first mention of the Ruach Elohim, the Spirit of God, and it was a life-giving, creation-making thing. And the part that I, I we saw last week when we looked a little more in detail is that he was building or participating, playing a role in the building of the cosmos for us. Now think about that. For us, for man. Look what it says. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and so on and so forth. So I'm not uh, trying to... Uh, thanks, Dwayne. I'm not trying to get a... Uh, uh, pin down a particular doctrine in the sense of what that rule means. But what I'm saying is that creation was not a random act. It was not a necessary act. It wasn't something God was forced to do. He built the world for the men he was creating, the human, the men and women, us, you and me. That's why we fit in it. Now, I know that sounds overly simplistic, but the atmosphere, as much as people are worried about it going away or global warming or whatever, the truth is, the air is suitable for us to breathe. The truth is, there are plants that are suitable for us to eat and that, that sustain the animal life and that sustain this. The truth is, there's a sufficient amount of water, and this is by design, and it was a design that flowed from the heart of the Father through, in at least part, through Jesus, who the Scripture teaches uh, was the one through whom God made the cosmos, through the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit was there hovering. And so the beauty of this is that God has always had you and I on his heart. Sometimes we were just talking uh, before service uh, with Alan, and you know, sometimes we get really up when, when things look like they're going good, and we get really down when things look like they're going bad. But that's more a sign of our narrowness of vision, not a sign of the, of the commitment that God has made to you and I forever, to walk with us, to be with us. And so one way of thinking about the revelation of the Spirit of God first coming in Genesis 1-2 is that the, the, the hovering of the Spirit, the sowing of life, that fertilization, the brooding, whatever we want to talk about it, and we're going to look at it in a little bit more detail, uh, that was, that was for the sake of relationship. For the sake of relationship. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. Because creation is so big and time is so long that it's really, really easy to feel like you're just a speck of dust in the middle of it. Or it's really easy to feel kind of like a victim of it if it happens to be going bad or, or just to feel like a non-entity in the middle of it because what influence can you have? But to know 
that one of the functions of God's Spirit is to is relational from the very, very beginning. It's incredible, I think. So that was the first review. The second one, the second instance that we looked at in the, two weeks ago, the introduction, is about the creation of the tabernacle and the, the calling of the nation of Israel and the emergence of the nation of Israel. All right, so this is what this is about. And <clears throat> the Holy Spirit, that little green line there, uh, had a creative part in God's place among his people. And that has continued to us today. So uh, that yellow subtitle there on top, Building God's Meeting Place with Us, that has two meanings with us. Meaning that the tabernacle that that, uh, Moses oversaw the building of, uh, that tabernacle was a place, and there's a particular spot in it, but there was a place where God came to be with us but the construction of it as ordered and and supervised by the holy spirit was also a partnership with us because the elements for the tabernacle didn't just appear they didn't just fall off the top of mount sinai and slide down the mountain god didn't need israelites to build a tabernacle he could have just said Tabernacle, and it would have been. But but something is revealed in the nature of the Holy Spirit's involvement in this critical part of history, in the revelation of God, that God chooses to do stuff with us in the sense of in our midst and with us in the sense of through us, in partnership with us. Very big deal. So here's the story as it progresses. So the Lord spoke to Moses and said, let uh, them, talking about the people, Construct a sanctuary for me that I may dwell among them. And the next verses after that 25.1 is the, the contribution that people made, and collecting all the things and the gold and the uh, porpoise skin, the goat hair and all that kind of stuff. So the people all got a chance to participate. But then there was a very specific place in the middle that, that is super important to me. And I think we'll see how it gets important a little bit later in, in, in tonight. You shall make a mercy seat of pure gold, two and a half cubits long, one and a half cubits wide, there, and here's why. So what was the point of the tabernacle? It's here, and it flowed out of the heart of God. This was the purpose of it, okay? There I will meet with you. And from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim, which are on the ark of the testimony, I will speak to you about all that I will give you in commandments for the Son of Israel. So, So think about this. The Holy Spirit, we're going to see in just a second, the Holy Spirit was actively involved literally in the building of this lid of the ark, the gold mercy seat that had the the angels on both sides, all that stuff. And the purpose, the whole reason it existed was so that I can meet with you, says God, and I will speak to you. So now we have the whole purpose of creation was for man to be placed in it, and to be able to rule it. Now, we know it got messed up, but that's not a big deal. I mean, it kind of was a big deal, but it's not a terminal deal, right? The purpose of creation was for God to be able to walk with man, and he did in the cool of the evening and spoke with him. Then that changed things, the fall changed things, but, but God focused on a people, the, the creation of a people, 
from which good stuff was going to come. And the point behind it all was, there I will meet with you, and I will speak with you. So if any of you, including me, including anybody up on Zoom, if you feel like God being with us and God speaking to us is some sort of super spiritual goal for super spiritual people to achieve, I would caution you and say no. The heart of the Father from the beginning has been to be with us and to speak to us. Now here's where the Holy Spirit comes in. The Lord is speaking. Yahweh is speaking to Moses. And he says, See, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. And I have filled him with the Spirit of God. And if you remember the story, he was the guy that was filled with wisdom as an artisan and a craftsman in the working of gold and all this kind of stuff. And he was sort of the lead guy of all the other people that were building, physically building the tabernacle, the components, the elements, and weaving the cloth and doing all this stuff. And he specifically, he specifically was the guy that crafted that mercy seat under the infilling and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So that's why I'm saying that the Holy Spirit was building God's meeting place with you and I. Okay? He actually created that meeting place. Now, Bezalel made the ark of acacia wood, and then down in verse 6, it goes into the details. He made, talking about uh, Bezalel, he made a mercy seat of pure gold, two and a half cubits long and one and a half cubits wide. Now, the Hebrew word for that that uh, phrase there, mercy seat, is the word caparet. You guys know what I'm talking about, about the mercy seat, right? The gold lid that had the cherubim on it was on top of the ark. And God said, I'm going to, my glory is going to set there above that between the wings of the angels. And that's where my presence is going to be. And that's where um, I'm going to speak to you from. And in fact, he did. So caparet is the Hebrew word. If you look in the Greek Septuagint, that's what that LXX, it's the Greek version of the Old Testament scriptures. The word is hilasterion. Okay? Now, in Romans 3, 24 and 25, it says this, being justified as a gift by His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in His blood through faith. The word propitiation has always troubled me And it really troubled me before I studied it out and realized that it is the same word in Greek that is used in the Septuagint to speak of the caparet. So another way of translating this, instead of being strange and using a word that absolutely no one knows what it means, being justified as a gift by His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus, whom God displayed publicly, as a mercy seat in his blood through faith. Now, Paul was a Jew, right? And so most of us, if you've ever had anybody do a word study, Bible study, propitiation is used about four times. uh, uh, I think it's used once in Hebrews and a couple times in uh, here in Romans and a couple times in 1 John. We'll have one of them up here in a minute. Um, Most everybody 
talks about that being some kind of an atoning sacrifice or an expiating sacrifice. And I'm not beefing with anybody that thinks that, but the image that comes with that when I was young and people were teaching me is the idea of, of, of an army or a king with an army surrounding a city, holding its siege, and this was the offering of either gold or virgins or whatever that was going to buy that king off so he didn't destroy you. Now, that is a purely Western Roman Greek thought. And do I think that was the thought behind the Apostle Paul using the word hilasmos or hilasterion? And the answer absolutely is no. His first reference had to go back to a word that was used 300 plus times in the Old Testament and always spoke of the mercy seat or in one instance, it spoke of the little rail around the outside of the mercy seat, also hammered out of gold. So here's where this connection is worthwhile. The Holy Spirit appeared and specifically focused through Belalel on the creation of the place where God would be with the people. But not just with them, where their sins were mitigated in the atoning sacrifice annually, Feast of Atonement, because that's where the peace poured blood. Jesus is that place, that propitiation. The last line is this one here in 1 John, in this part of the review. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteousness. And he himself is the propitiation because of the tense difference as opposed to a and B and so on and so forth. It's the same family of words. You can tell it's just one place apart in a strong concordance, elosmos, for our sins. And not only for ours only, but also for those of the whole world. So it's not just the place, it's also the activity of that place. It's the sacrifice of that place, the atonement of that place. But the reason this is super important to me and why I want us to look at it as a, as a foundational thing to sow into our hearts and minds and spirit fresh is that the Holy Spirit has been working from the inception of the redemptive story, the redemptive plan, the womb of Israel, all this stuff, he, the Holy Spirit's been working with the, the, with the, the thought in mind that here is a place where God meets man and your sins are not the defining factor. They're not the identity issue. And I think we in, in Western church have got that missed up. I think we give sin way, way too much credit. Now, does it mean that sin doesn't matter? No, look what John says. I'm writing so that you do not sin. And if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus the righteous. And he himself, he himself is the mercy seat. It's really powerful. So just keep that in mind. And the more we get into the particulars about the Holy Spirit, I think maybe perhaps the more we'll... Uh, We'll see that that matters. And that would be something, if, you, if any of you got a question about it, feel free to we'll ask it. So now we're going to get into the next. Uh, so the first two uh, things that we talked about in the introduction was the spiritual role in creation, the spiritual role in the creation of the people of Israel in the tabernacle, particularly the, the wisdom in Belalel and the skill and craftsmanship to create the mercy seat. And so now... <clears throat> We're going to look at his creation of the union of God and man. Now, 
This is what I mean by looking at a bigger picture. I, as, as I've talked about in this series, uh, and you guys know anyway, I was Assemblies of God pastor for a number of years, and I went to Assemblies of God Bible School. And we had a very highly developed doctrine about the Holy Spirit, about baptism of the Holy Spirit, gifts of the Holy Spirit, all this kind of stuff. Uh, I loved it. Uh, it was fine. But I realize right now, it was a box that we had put our thoughts in about the Holy Spirit that made it convenient for us to, discern, to, to discriminate between people that thought like we did and people that didn't about the Holy Spirit. And there's much more to what the Holy Spirit is about and is doing in our midst than that. And it's okay to think of that. It's okay to see it. So here we are. This is obviously um, the, the work of the Spirit of God in, in relationship to the incarnation of the Son of God. Okay? So the messenger said to her, this is Mary, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God, and lo, thou shalt receive. And I did this in Young's Literal because I like the way it, it, it sounds a little awkward, but I, I like the precision of the words where it's a little mushy in a couple of other translations that I normally use, New American Standard or whatever. And the messenger said here, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God, and lo, thou shalt receive, conceive in thy womb, and shall bring forth a son, and call his name Jesus. And he shall be great, the son of the highest. He shall be called the Lord I shall be called, and the Lord, and son of the highest, he shall be called, sorry. And the Lord God shall give him the throne of David his father. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob to the ages, and of his reign there shall be no end. Now that is a pretty powerful statement. And, you know, I would have thought, maybe the Holy Spirit should have been the one saying that, but, you know, the Lord sent an angel. It's not my story to, to write, you know. But look at the magnitude of what's going on here. If the mercy seat was a big deal, I mean, this is starting to rival you know, creation was a big deal too. This is the kind of stuff that the Holy Spirit does. Okay, uh, not just the miracle of, of conceiving, and you'll, you'll see in a minute that she hadn't had sex with anybody, so that's a miracle that's going to happen there. Bring forth a son, call his name Jesus. Salvation being brought into this right there, the name of Yeshua, right from the beginning. And Jesus is the Greek version of Joshua. It means the same thing, salvation. All right. He shall be great, okay, the son of the highest. That's a big revelation. The Lord God shall give him the throne of David, his father. The entire nation of Israel was waiting for the restoration of that rulership. This is a big deal. This is a huge deal. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob to the ages forever, is what it's saying there. And his reign there be no end. That recalls that passage about uh, in Isaiah chapter 6, you know, for unto us a child is born, and a son is given, it's going to reign forever. So it's a big deal. Mary says, uh, you know, understandably, how shall this be, seeing a husband I do not know? And then the messenger answered and said, the Holy Spirit shall come upon me. The power of the high shall overshadow thee. Therefore also the holy begotten thing shall be called Son of God. And that last line is why I went to Young's literal. The begotten, the holy begotten thing shall be called the Son of God. The holy begotten thing. So, this is... is <laughs> the next significant role of the Holy Spirit we're looking at is the union between God and 
man. That's a bigger deal. That's a little bit bigger deal than just a personal gift for me or a personal blessing or something like that. I'm not going to diminish those. We're going to get to them. But I want us to see our relationship. I want us to see the grandeur, the majesty of the Holy Spirit in light of this. In light of this. There's no event in history. Creation, the giving of the covenant relationship with the people of God, the incarnation of the Son, that um, it's just huge. And, and we don't often think of it. So I'm encouraging us to. All right, so now, uh, this is a little bit earlier in the same story about this creation of the union. The birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. This is in Matthew. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. I labored over how to expand that, how to talk about it, and I just finally realized, I don't know. And I don't think I want to know. I don't even understand it. I don't want to try to reduce this to like an analysis. I want to know that that the Holy Spirit played a birthing role, a, a fertilizing role, a brooding role. It's all the same thing. It's all the same stuff. He created it by his presence, by his wisdom, by his overshadowing. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. Now, I don't really understand that. I don't understand the timeline here. I can understand why he would have a hard time believing it, but did like Mary not talk to him and say, hey, I had an angel speak to me and say this was coming? Or was Joseph not present when the presence of the Holy Spirit is? I don't know. I don't know. But I mean, I'm not, I, you know, I understand. It and it's weird. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Later, not tonight, but later we're going to look at the fact that Jesus said, it's good for you that I go away, because if I don't go away, the Holy Spirit's not going to come. And then later he says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And earlier he said, the Father's going to send the Holy Spirit. So there is this weird, uh, wonderful back and forth dynamic between uh, the Holy Spirit being the causative agent of Jesus being here and Jesus' death and resurrection ascension being the causative agent of the Holy Spirit coming in power. So this is the first half of that equation. The child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Now, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Let me see if I can make the connections that are in my heart. Okay. The role of the Holy Spirit, however simply it's stated in creation, was to make a place for you and I. And that was successful. The role of the Holy Spirit in the inspiration of Belilah was in, in the creation of the tabernacle was to make a place where God could be with you and I and could speak to us. And granted, there was a form and a formula about that, but that's the purpose. A place where God could be with us, a place where we could be with God. Here is the same thing. This is that passage out of Isaiah chapter 7. It says, in, in, I'll give you a sign in the midst of a big long prophecy about a bunch of nations and all this kind of stuff. I'll give you a sign. A virgin shall be with child. She'll bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, 
which translated means what? God with us. God with us. Creation was made so that we could be with God and God could be with us. The tabernacle was made, the mercy seat was crafted so that God could be with his people and speak to them. And Jesus came so that as God with us. God is with us. The primary thing the Holy Spirit does is not give you a gift, not give you five. Those are all great, and we're going to get to them. The primary thing the Holy Spirit does is make it possible for the infinite God to literally be with finite individuals and finite communities and a finite people. And if we ever lose sight of that, it puts us in a position where we start thinking that, that he's like a, something that we can leverage into serving us or you know, whatever. And I just want that not to happen. I don't want us to be that way. I want to honor the Holy Spirit in this way. So, God with us, God with us, God with us. <clears throat> so then the messenger answering her said this, the Holy Spirit shall come upon thee and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. And therefore also this holy begotten thing shall be called Son of God. The reason I wanted to pause here a little bit and then look at a couple things is to try to link this together so you can see, I don't think this is a coincidence. I think the nature of the Holy Spirit is this whole coming, hovering, brooding, inspiring for the sake of the presence of God in the midst of people. So here it is again. The messenger answered and said, The Holy Spirit shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also the holy begotten thing shall be called the Son of God. We're going to leap ahead. We're going to look at this in more detail, but I want you to think of this. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you, this is Jesus speaking, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. The same two words in the Greek New Testament are used of these two, come upon. Epericomai epi, or epi, you know, say Epericomai epi, that's the phrase, come upon you. Epericomai means to arrive or to move to or move upon. And it has the, the connotation that this arrival, this coming on, is an event in time. In other words, it's real. It's a thing that hadn't happened, and now it happens. Okay? And then the word epi is a primary preposition, meaning superimposition, uh, meaning something over something, and it can be of time or place or order. But I thought this was an interesting phrase. It was out of the BGAD. A marker of location answering the question, where? So here's one of the first big common points. When the Holy Spirit brooded over the waters, where was the where? It was the newly formed earth. And it was being shaped through the word of the Lord into the place where Adam and Eve were put into the garden. Right? Where was the place that was the fruit of the inspiration, presence, and work of the Holy Spirit, the wisdom of the Holy Spirit in the tabernacle. Well, it was the place between the outstretched wings of the cherubim where God himself, in his Shekinah glory, met with the people of Israel, spoke to them, spoke to Moses, atoned for their sin. 
There's a place associated with this. Where is the place in Acts? The place is you. Yes, there was a corporate setting in the upper room, but the focus of the Holy Spirit has always to be to make a place in a way for God to be with. And the ultimate expression of that, literally the ultimate expression of that, is you. You're the where. I'm the where. And it's not weird to say that. It's not egotistical to say that. We're saying it because we're slowing down enough to realize that's what he's been doing forever. And he's doing it today. Now, we won't have time tonight because I want to leave plenty of time for questions. But in the next couple of things, we're going to get into the idea of the formation of the church at Pentecost and the idea of individual, the Holy Spirit, baptism, and things like that. We're going to talk about those things. My point is, that's not an anomaly. The fact, you know, it's not just a doctrinal distinction that we're a charismatic or Pentecostal church as opposed to a non-charismatic or cessationist church. That's not the point at all. The point is, from the beginning, the Holy Spirit has worked to make a place for union, real, intimate fellowship, union, presence, communication, speaking, glory between God and people. Now, uh, I got lost in my preparation and study. <laughs> and I was going, I feel like there's, this connection is real. I feel like it's not just me trying to make a sermon point. I know this is very difficult to see, but what this is is a screenshot I took from an online interlineal of the Septuagint, the Greek version of the Old Testament. And I don't have a copy of it, and uh, all of my copies of the Septuagint are just in the Greek, and I don't know Greek well enough to be able to just to go. But I wanted to find out the word that was used, and it's, uh, it's these. So right here, uh, epipereto is the word that is like talking about the Holy Spirit hovered on, face the waters upon. Think about Mary. Think about what the Holy Spirit did with Mary. And then think about, this is Genesis chapter 1, first few verses. And the earth was... Think about Mary. And Mary was unseen and unready. The earth was unseen and unready. Formless and void is, is the, the way the Hebrew puts it. Provided I understand the translation there. The Septuagint tried to struggle to find the right words. Unseen and unready. Unseen, formless, unready for what? To have God and men meet. How about Mary? Mary was a virgin, right? One of the prerequisites to having children is having a man, she said. How is this possible? I'm unseen and unready. It's the same work. It's the same work. It's the same work. And then this word, bore upon, is the word and hovered over. Bore upon. You see what I'm saying? I mean, is it just me? Or is this real? I mean, this is the nature and work of the Holy Spirit. To, to, to in presence and with a kind of power. 
Now, here's what I'm hoping comes out of this. If this is true, and if the, if, if the Holy Spirit can make this real in your hearts and my hearts as we continue this look, then when we get to the idea of a personal encounter, which all of us have had, and I hope you'll talk about it in a minute, when we get to the idea of a personal encounter, when we get to the idea of being baptized in, when we get to the idea of being empowered by or filled by, it's not going to be some religious goal out there. It's not going to be just a self-improvement thing, like I want to be a better Christian, so I need more power of the Holy Spirit. Those are all good things. But it's the very nature of what the Holy Spirit has done since the beginning to craft a place more and more on and on in our lives and where, where God can be with us and where we can be with Him in the world around us. And one of the reasons that Christianity is so freaking disappointing sometimes is because we try to live it as if God was reluctant to be with us, was reluctant to reveal himself in us and through us to one another. But that is the furthest thing from the truth. This is a consistent, proven, proven, proven modus operandi, heart motive of God revealed in the Spirit. He is committed to making a place for God and us to be together. It's incredible, I think. I, I just think it's fascinating. So I'm going to buy a, 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 a Septuagint transliterated interlineal. So here we are again. The messenger answered and said, the Holy Spirit shall come upon me. That little epiracomai uh, epi, come upon. And the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, the holy begotten thing. Now, do I think this is an amazing miracle? Do I think it caught the world off guard? Absolutely, I do. But it shouldn't catch us off guard because we can tra- track the revelation of the heart of the Father manifest through the Spirit and the sending of the Spirit. And then in Acts, same situation. You will receive power. Well, of course you will. Why wouldn't we? What would stand in the way? Only the fact that we don't think about it. Only the fact that we don't consider it. That's it for tonight. So, I would love to hear thoughts or questions for sure, but if you've got an encounter story, and I don't care if it's an ancient one from a long time ago in your life, or if it's something that happened yesterday or this morning, I'd love to hear it. So the mic's open. Also, we had a wonderful thing, and this is an occasion. This is, come on up to Mike, Greg. So uh, this is brand new. Uh, we had an elders meeting the other night, and uh, J- Jeremy and Amy, who participate remotely, uh, so they have a better idea of what works on Zoom, said, you know, could you have the folks that come up to the mic say their name? Because we sit here and we don't see them too much. So, uh, yeah, just share your name, Greg, and, and, and tell a, a 30-second version of your relationship with Joyland. Um, <clears throat> my name's Greg, and my introduction to Joyland was really quite simple. I was living in a cabin behind the McDonald's in Woodland Park, and I really didn't want to go uphill and be sweaty for church. So Joyland was downhill. So that's how I ended up here. And you were riding a bike or something? <laughs> I was riding a bike. Yeah, there you and, go. And uh, I was like, okay, I'll work hard to get back home, but I really don't want to be sweaty and panting for air when I get to church. So that's how I ended up here. I was, Very organic I reason. So, so and, and your name is Greg Collier, right? Greg Collier, yes. Okay. Yes. So what's your question, Greg? Your thought? Well, is encounter. An, uh, an observation. You may have already covered this in previous sermons because 
I do camera stuff, so I'm not really sometimes paying attention, but it said overshadow Mary in mm -hmm. Luke 135. Um, while you were talking just now, I looked up the name Bezalel. It means in the shadow of. I know. So there seems Isn't it amazing? That was one I didn't make the point yeah. on, but it's, it's incredible. His name is the embodiment of the mechanism, the way the Holy Spirit works. So he wasn't just a randomly chosen dude. <laughs> he was very specific. That's great, Greg. Thank you. Yeah. There's a lot of this, guys. This is not just a, a little bebopping thing that eventually shows something else. Anybody else got a thought or encounter anything? We got to start sharing about this stuff. Because the same kind of special connections, the same kind of wonderful continuations, they're going to happen in our lives. That's what I'm that's why we're looking at this the way we are. All right, let's see how Becky does on the internet. You know, no, no. I have a, a story that... Um, Who are I, you? Oh, sorry. Becky Hewitt, married to Dan. Um, we started... Dan found Joyland on Zoom. You guys came uh, during a Dan Muller conference, too. And you asked a Mueller. most wonderful question, and it, it led to one of the best discussions of the day. We'll leave it yes, at that. Yes, I did. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, shared this on Tuesday night, but... Uh, Walmart lately has had some encounter. I've had some encounters with people at Walmart. So this past Tuesday or Monday, um, I needed to go grocery shopping and I was in my house and I was like, Oh, I need to go. I need to go. And I was dilly dallying, whatever. And, um, then like all of a sudden it was like, okay, go to, go to Walmart now. So I was like, okay. So I went and again in the in Walmart, I need to get bird seeds. So I need to go clear over to that side. And then I was kind of dilly-dallying, dilly-dallying. And then I wound up um, in an aisle where there was a lady who was coming along, and she was in a handicap cart. And I could see her looking up towards whatever it was she wanted. And so I just said, do you need me to reach something for you? And she said yes. And that launched us into about a 20-minute conversation. Um, she's 81, living in a really lonely place right now in her life. And she just started opening up some needs that she had, some health issues that she had. Um, and you could tell, like, the more I listened, the more it was meeting that need for her to be heard and seen. Um, she did let me pray for her in the aisle, for her, the things that are going on with her and her health. But it was, it. I just feel like the timing of it was the Lord in saying, go, go, go now, go do this. Okay, go so that I could meet her and f have that conversation with her. And let me tell you, I was high the rest of the day because she blessed me just in her willingness to even share her life. I mean, she started the conversation by seeing that I had a little Easter basket in mine and she had one too. And we started talking and, um, I know I will see her again at some point someday. And I, was so excited for the Holy Spirit to guide me along in that Amen. path. Amen. I don't know that we know the value of these kind of things. I really don't. We got to keep sharing them and, 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 and realize that they're all rooted in this utter commitment for God to be with us and to reach out and speak and, and do that, just like that happened that day. Sonny yeah. Hohulan, or if you want to stick the A in there like everybody else does, Hulahan. Hula hand. I never thought you, you don't look like a hula hand. I mean, hula hand. Okay. So I, I just had these thoughts. Like, could this be the answer a little bit to our dilemma of the Holy Spirit came and 
who's who's saved, who's not, you know, that whole thing. And if you take salvation as not just going to heaven or what you perceive as hell and go further about what is salvation, it's it's the saving of the brought back of life, right? Yeah. But you have to give agreement. What would have happened if Mary wouldn't have said, let it be done according to your desire yeah. or will? Like she gave agreement to something that, so we could produce life. Or how complicated it would have been if Joseph hadn't heeded the, the angelic message in his dream. Yeah. You know, I don't know if it has stopped the program, but there, there, did, there did seem to be some benefit from that participation. So giving agreement allows something to grow and express. And I think that's really important for when we're out there giving out the gospel. Agreement is really important. Yeah, yeah. So. One, one other point that I hope comes out of this, because I totally agree with you on that, but there's a way of thinking about our agreement as being the cause of the life. But what I'm hoping we pull out of the next, you know, last two weeks and this next week is that no, life is the, is the intent. And God's the one taking responsibility for the sending of his son, the sending of his spirit, the coming of this. So life is the intent. Our agreement plugs us into something that's already in momentum. It's already there. The, the thing that God wanted to do with this woman, he already wanted to do. He had already made provision for it, but he found in you the vessel for the release of that. I think that's where that's one of the lessons about this. Yeah, you're right. And and it, and it adds value to 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 the doing, to the to agreement, to the ascent. I'm not trying to take away from that at all. I'm just saying that we don't have to worry that our obedience is what creates this amazing gift and opportunity, this amazing tendency. Ours connects us with it. Ours takes it. Yeah. You're muted too, buddy. Gotcha. I thought maybe we were going to Janet, but hi, I'm Ronnie. I live in Colorado Springs, but I'm on Zoom because I am not in the sanctuary building. And I met Larry before Colorado, before that Joyland was a thing as part of a church called Springs Harvest that was being led by a guy named Dutch Sheets back in the 90s. Yeah. So, so I'm an old um, fart. Yep. Anyway, um, in the middle of what you were saying tonight, um, unfortunately, we lost the flow, so I didn't quite get right into it at the very end. But um, something I had it come to my mind is it seems like the Holy Spirit is like an executor of details from what I'm learning. Like it's kind of like big picture stuff is maybe not the big deal for the Holy Spirit, but all the details to make it all work out and the follow through and the, like, for example, that he'll be with us forever to help us remember all the things that Jesus said. Those are details. And so somehow that may be an important, uh, some, some kind of a point to think about. In the- I'm 14. He'll be, with you and in you forever. That's quite a statement. Quite a statement. Excellent. Janet? Can you hear me? Yeah. Hello? Okay. Uh, I'm Janet Estrada. 
married to Doug Estrada. We started out with Joyland and its beginnings back in 2006 or so, and have been with them ever since. And it's been a journey uh, of a win and enlightenment. So we love you all. Just got to say that. Now, my point is, I see a parallel of the spirit um, brooding over the water and then brooding over the tabernacle and over Mary and then also over um, the gal that just spoke and shared about Walmart. Was that Vicki? Okay. Becky. Um, and so the Holy Spirit will brood over us and give us an unction kind of uh, and then something is birthed in that. So that's what I'm seeing. And uh, you know, and it goes back to the idea of Ronnie talking yeah, about yeah. kind of the executor so making this stuff happen. Remember yeah. that Cool. Sounds yeah, good. Back to All right. Thanks, Janet. Yeah, Janet and Doug live in, uh, they moved out to uh, California. Yeah. Hi, I'm Tim Britton. My wife's Meg Britton. Uh, we've been going to church almost from the inception, about almost. Uh, six months in, I think. So we've been with uh, uh, Joanne for a long time. We're elder staff, part-time pastoral staff, and uh, we just enjoy being here all the time. We enjoy having you. I had some comments about the Holy Spirit. I think a lot of times, I want to steal from the world like the world tries to steal from us all the time okay. on the terminology. We talk about ESP, intuition, circumstantial, deja vu. It's Holy Spirit. You know, if you're a believer, mm -hmm. that's Holy Spirit. Those are all terms that were stolen from Christianity, and I want to take them back. And, and I think it's beneficial for us a lot. Maybe we don't take enough time to just pray in the Spirit and, and then listen, mm -hmm. you know, because he'll speak. I know one habit that Meg and I got out of that we really enjoyed was we would go off and pray in the Spirit and write in our journals and then come back and share with each other what the Lord shared with us. And uh, the more I'm talking about it, the more I can see we need to get back into that. Yeah. Because it was really beneficial. There was a lot was of commonality. In yeah, 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 there yeah. really was. So that's anyway, cool. That's I cool. would just say, don't buy all the world stuff, Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's, that's good. That's good. That's one of those perspectives I want us to have. It's, this isn't some foreign thing. You know, it's not something unique or special that only spiritual people get, or it's not even measured by our spirituality. It's, a, it's the way heaven comes to earth. It's the way God is with people. The Holy Spirit is facilitating God with man. And he's been doing it in every instance. And he does it in Walmart. Praise God. We've got time for one more. I think if, probably pretty close when Laurel's coming. So Jason, go ahead and introduce yourself. Sorry, I didn't know. Okay. Hi, Amy. I'm Jason. <laughs> nice to see you again. I was thinking about, I love Becky's story because that's the way that I feel Holy Spirit. I, I remember Roland Baker just talking about Holy Spirit, like, Holy Spirit was Tigger from Winnie the Pooh. Just playful and just always present and excited and these kind of things. And I was thinking about a couple examples, a couple of examples of just really when you show up, 
if you can just be in tune, you can see how Holy Spirit just works in our life. Maybe even directs things. I was thinking about how we met mm-hmm. because some people are telling that story. And it was Janet's husband and Janet that owned a computer store. The ministry that I was serving at at the time, we had just moved up to Woodland Park. Computer broke. Oh, everything on the ministry is on there. They go into, they drop it off at Doug and Janet's computer store. Doug comes to the church on Sunday. You guys are having service on Friday night Mm -hmm. at the Eagle Fire at that time. You have a full band except for a drummer. I'd been playing drums probably 30 years at that point, but hadn't been playing them in a few. And I've been playing drums with the band for 13 years at this at this point. So that's 13 years later. That was orchestrated in my yeah. heart, certainly. Yeah. I have I have a friend here, Graham. We just met a couple weeks ago, and he's a he's a vendor. And we needed some help in my business, uh, or the business that I'm that I'm working for. And he provides a service. Typically, I won't call a vendor to follow up an email. But for whatever reason, I sent an email late at night. I needed to move fairly quickly. I call Graham at like 8 o'clock in the morning. Hardly ever do that. We kind of hit it off, start talking. He's a musician. We're musicians. Mm. He's a worshiper. We're worshipers. Mm. Now, all of a sudden, we're we're not talking about trees and work. We're talking about God and creation. And I couldn't help after about a half-hour conversation with him, and we've talked a couple times since then, just feeling like, wow, just the recognition of what Holy Spirit can do mm-hmm. when you just show up and be a little bit conscious if something may be happening. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that pretty is cool. very cool. Very cool. Yeah, Mary didn't go looking for that encounter. <laughs> she, it came to her, and the consent was her part in it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, here come the kiddos. Thank you guys for sharing. Let's keep doing this. Because, uh, again, what we're doing is, is we're not creating a reality. We're accessing a reality. And we're accessing a reality that the world and the flesh and the devil all want to keep blind. Keep us blind. 